special episode of the podcast this week as we take a look at the 2021 budget. Uh, it's quite an exciting budget. There's a lot of changes, especially in the superannuation sector, and we'll take you through a few of those in today's episode. Hope you enjoy. Everything we talk about on today's podcast is general advice only because we don't know your individual personal situation. Before you act on anything we've spoken about, you should chat to your financial advisor. And if you don't have one, feel free to reach out to us. Now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Wealth Collective Podcast. I'm Zach Masters and today I'm joined by Pete Pennycott from Picarda. Welcome, Pete. Hey, special edition. Budget. Yeah, special um, edition. No hangover. Uh, didn't didn't have it. Didn't even have a, a vino last night. But this is very exciting. So a lot of um, a lot of good strategy opportunities in this one. So a lot of superannuation changes. Something in it for first home buyers. Um, and good to see um, you know, aged care sector uh, and women not forgotten in this one. So the uh, manly budget from last year is a distant memory. That's it. So what were your overall thoughts on this year's budget? Well, loving it. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of yeah. Obviously, I think can't jump the gun. So none of this is legislation yet. So, you know, only proposals at this stage. Uh, so we've got to wait until they're passed. But, um, yeah, really, really excited about the superannuation one. So I think it simplifies it and really incentivizes people to put money away for their retirement. So Well, I was looking at or listening to a p- couple of people talk about it last night and they were saying it's quite hard to find any losers in this year's budget. Uh, um, probably which... f- my future grandchildren who have to pay <laughs> back the, um, the deficit. But it is a- ahead of schedule, so... Uh, which tends to happen when you've got um, iron oil iron prices price. four times what they thought they'd be uh, this time last year. So, um, yeah, like it's a big spending budget. So I think an election's coming. <laughs> yeah, I think well, well, an election is coming. It's just how soon. Um, it's got to be this year, surely, if they're yeah. getting keeping the low and middle income tax well, offsets and all that type it's of not stuff. A, it doesn't seem like a traditional coalition budget. So they've um, gone and broadened their, I think try to broaden their voter base a little bit. But also, it's, I think it's gone to people that needed it. So I think it's gone to areas that, you know, um, yeah, were addressed as, I don't know, in need of a little bit of a shot in the arm in terms of um, some spending. So, uh, and now's the time to do it. Like, if you're ever going to spend uh, and you want an excuse to sort of increase deficits and do all that and all the uh, global pandemics, uh, once in a hundred years, apparently, um Event so that's good. I don't want to repeat this again. So. Never waste a crisis. No. Isn't that the, <laughs> the wording. Uh, well, you mentioned superannuation, so let's get started um, discussing superannuation. We'll start with the big one. So repealing the work test. So run us through this one. Yeah. So um, government's announced it'll allow individuals aged sixty-seven to seventy-four to make or receive non-concessional so um, contributions without having to meet the work test. So uh, the ability, you know, the thing to sort of have to work, yeah. You know, 40 hours over 30 consecutive days, no more. So uh, just opens it, simplifies it. Um, I think that's a win. So important to note, not concessional contributions there. So that is non-concessional after-tax contributions. Yeah, and this will affect um, your bring forward uh, use of that as well. Um, so potentially some strategies here um, that a lot of people are looking at as those re-contribution, withdrawal re-contribution strategies. Yeah, and, um, and limits are going up as well. So you've got 110000 as your non-concessional limit um, as of July 1. Um, so, yeah, and that sort of opens the door to sort of 330 as you, you bring forward. So, yeah, good. Yeah, so, and the other one a lot of people are talking about 
with this one too is then balancing out your um, balances across couples as well. So making sure that you're both getting close towards your your cap and making sure that you're getting as much money in that tax free environment as possible as you're heading to retirement. Yeah, I'm not looking at this. This is a common sense one. It should have been done years ago. Yep. Very good. Uh, the next one that we'll look at is the uh, downsizer contribution. So run us through this yeah. one. Yeah. So this one. So announced uh, eligibility age for downsizer contributions previously was age 65 and older now reducing it to 60 so again just broadening the opportunity base there and um, I think this one's a really good one because yeah there's a lot of times people are in their early 60s this is when you're actually making changes about sort of you know kids might have moved out you're sort of downsizing your property you're making changes so the lines in a good time to actually top up your, um, yeah, potentially top up your super, put you know, get some contributions in there. It doesn't count towards the normal caps, um, but also it puts new more properties on the market. I think because people might have held off doing it because there's just no benefit. Also, from a age pension perspective, if you've got one spouse that's you know, you know eligible for age pension, might sort of be an ability to you know put some money into the other spouse who might not be age pension age uh, and not be accessible there. Yeah, very good. And then um, the other one that people are talking about with this one is now the potential that's going to be to use the downsizer contribution, and then potentially ten years down the track use it again um, mm-hmm. once you've got another house and you've lived in that for ten years. Um, some yeah. things to start to think about and plan. Quite a little bit forward, but Gosh, that's what people yeah, are talking who's about. Who's planning this? <laughs> well, that's not like if you downsize, you know, now and then you don't have to downsize to your like yeah. your forever home for the rest of your life. Then you can choose, you know, in ten years' time, you can potentially make it again. I don't know how many times um, you've moved home, but <laughs> man, I don't want to be moving home every ten. I'm just trying to bring up bring up potential yeah, strategies right. that people are talking like about. Yeah, cool. Um, so the next one. So this was one um, on Twitter last night that was getting people up in arms, but I think it was because they don't fully understand what it is and that's the first home super saver scheme so changing um the releasable amount to fifty thousand. so a lot of people last night were jumping up and going crazy um, i'm not sure if you're checking twitter for this one but they were going nuts at saying oh they're accessing 50 grand out of super um and then they're going to make themselves worse off in retirement hmm. and all this so it's important to note that these are only the voluntary contributions above your superannuation guarantee amount so you've had to go in and put these amounts in. So that's changed from $30,000, which it currently is at the moment, to $50,000. Um, the important thing to note is the cap of $15,000 a year is still in place. So we can't utilize catch-up concessional contributions or your full $25,000 or $27,000 and a half um, cap. So that's something to note there. Um, the reason why you do this, so putting the $15,000 in each year, is that you're going to get a tax deduction from making that. So it's not going to be appropriate for everyone, um, but it's potentially something, a way that you're going to be able to save funds. The funds are going to be locked away until you purchase the property. So you're not going to be tempted to spend them and you'll get a tax deduction on the other side. What's your thoughts on this one? Because this is the one a lot of people are um, going, oh, it's just going to boost property prices um, I further. Think it, I think everything's going to boost property prices for the time being. So until there's more stock on the markets, yeah, it's demand and supply. So... Um, Look, I think it's a, I think it's a win because yeah, it's a if it helps you contribute more of your uh, deposit via you know tax effective means, so getting people to put money into super, um, and who knows, like you know what you get out is not the actual superannuation return, so you actually might get some you know um, 
unintended benefits of your super is actually outperforming it. What you actually get released is a set amount at mm. a, with a set rate of return. Um, so I think I think it is a a, a nice. I don't think it's going to you know, solve anyone's problems because you know, even if you're talking about a couple, it's a hundred thousand. Yeah, you know, sort of. I'm working with a few first home buyers at the moment, and yeah, you know, they're going to spend somewhere between six hundred to a million dollars on their first home. So, yeah, um, yeah it helps. Um, so, yeah, definitely, I think a net positive. Yeah. So the important thing to note with that one is it's not making you worse off at retirement. The only way it make you worse off if, is if your balance inside super drops, um, but whilst you take the funds out and they you get given an amount more than what it's earned. Um, inside super so that's the only way to make a difference but it's your voluntary contributions um, above what your normal superannuation that goes into super is um, do you want to run us through the next one so removing the $450 per month minimum super threshold yeah so this one I think really designed to sort of capture a lot of the part time workforce which traditionally skews towards um, larger proportion of that is female yeah, so, so two thirds they reckon yeah so removing that so just means more people will get um, superannuation guarantee contributions made. So uh, these are increasing to 10% as of 1 July as well. So that's good. Like it's, you know, again, just getting more money um, to have, you know, to reduce this sort of uh, gender imbalance basically when people are getting to retirement. So um, yeah, I think this is a good, and I think it simplifies things as well. If you're getting, if you're going out and earning money, put, put some away towards retirement. So um, hopefully there's not an unintended consequence of, making things more expensive for small businesses so they stop employing as many people. But, um, yeah, something to keep an eye on. But I think that's a good one as well. Yeah, and um, some of the numbers that I was looking at today were saying if there's a 30-year-old working for 10 years in this portion, so earning under $450 a month, it's an extra about $11,000 or over that at retirement. 11700 um, to be exact. Yep, yeah, that's the one. So, um, yeah, all of that. And then, obviously, the longer you work in there, the people that are brought up if you're working two jobs that are under... $450 each per mm. month. So that might be quite common as well. So you just double that number. Um, so those are the things to think about. Um, complying pension and annuity conversions. Run yeah. us through this one. I've got one of these. I'm keen to do the assessment on this. So um, what it is, so allowing a two-year window from whenever it gets real ascent, so that's not two, two years from today. So don't need to start your engines just yet. Um, but allowing the capital supporting their income stream um, including any reserves, back into a superannuation account into accumulation phase. And then you can sort of go from there and you know set up a traditional account-based pension if need be. Um, or they can take a lump sum if need be. So the ones that are captured under this are market-linked income streams, uh, t- which are called term-allocated pensions, complying life expectancy income streams, and complying lifetime income streams. So these ones are not overly common, but have been a little bit clunky to deal with and perhaps a bit restrictive. Um, so the good thing is um, that it's going to simplify things for uh, a lot of people that traditionally were sort of stuck in these legacy products. Um, you know, you need to be quite careful uh, doing this because it might have unintended Centrelink purposes because these traditionally had quite, um, yeah, uh, concessional treatment from a Centrelink uh, assets test and income test perspective. So, um, yeah, really will be interesting. I don't know how how this one's going to work for my clients that are uh, in these products. So, uh, keen to sort of run the numbers and uh, get onto it. So, I've fired a few emails off this morning. So, keen to sink my teeth into it. Very good. So, further on from simplifying things, we've got relaxing residency requirements for SMSFs and small APRA funds. So, run us through that. 
Yeah, so government plans to relax residency requirements for SMSFs uh, by extending the central management control test from two to five years and removing the active member test. So um, this one caught people unawares or sort of got into a bit of trouble uh, where trustees were living overseas uh, and did intend to return to Australia um, at some point. So um, this one just removes that central management and control test um, and under the proposal you'll be able to sort of leave Australia for five years and still meet the test. So that's good. So it means if you sort of got a, a secondment overseas, I guess different times we're dreaming of. I don't know how many people <laughs> are doing that. Maybe you're stuck overseas and they won't let you back because of uh, the borders are closed. So um, whatever that is, it just means there's, uh, it's more likely that self-managed super funds are going to be available and a solution to more uh, Australians. So it uh, can only be a good thing. So this is an antiquated, um, I think, piece of legislation. So the world's a... Well, up until recent times, you know, it's a, you know, the borders are sort of down there. People move around quite a bit with work. So um, let's, you know, let them run their SMSF via email and sort of uh, have their, um, you know, their support team back in Australia. Yep. Very good. So that pretty much wraps up all the superannuation changes, but a lot of them obviously are revolved around getting more money into super and making it easier for people to contribute funds into super and also helping first homeowners there. So make sure you're across those um, because there's going to be potentially a lot more ways that you can get funds into that concessionally taxed environment so speaking of tax uh, retaining the low and middle income tax offset pete yeah so that was due to um yeah be removed but basically low and middle income tax offset for the 21 22 year is going to stay so really it's trying to give tax relief for low and middle income earners uh, and provides a reduction in tax of up to uh, $1,080. So, um, yeah, this sort of starts out at, you know, $255 and sort of scales up depending on income. Um, and then sort of once you get to $126,000, no, uh, no benefit there for you. So that's what they're classing as the um, where middle income ends. So, yeah, nice one. So, you know, more, ta- more money in people's back pockets. Um, I don't know got any sort of negative thoughts on that Zach? No I don't think so I think this is going to be the interesting one where I think this is the potentially like the signaling that they're going to have an election before the budget next year Mm. Uh, because this was meant to go they don't want to take off anything that will be too unpopular Mm. so I reckon they're keeping this in they'll have an election I reckon around about November this year and then um, potentially this is one that could go in next year's budget so yeah and i think like so that the everyone's always wondering like how much can you earn before you pay tax so the answer for this uh upcoming financial year is twenty three thousand two hundred and twenty six dollars uh providing you're not eligible for any seniors or um pensioners tax offsets very good so do you want to run us through the other taxation changes so modernizing the individual tax residency rules and simplifying self-education uh, yeah, sure. So, um, so individual tax residency rules. So, yeah, we're not tax experts here, but primary test will be a simple bright line test. So, a person who's physically present in Australia for more than 183 days uh, in an income year will be an Australian tax resident. So, if you don't meet this test, you'll be subject to secondary tests. And depending on a combination of your physical presence and measurable objective criteria, so read the fine print, um, that will be the new way that people will be assessed. So again, trying to simplify and streamline it because I think there are more and more Australians that are moving around. So um, you know, speak to your tax agent to get a, a good feel on that. 
Very good. Uh, we'll move on to the social security portion now. So increasing the flexibility of the pension loan scheme. So the pension loan scheme is something we've talked about a little bit on here. It's probably one that I feel is underutilized a bit. So it's a good way to potentially for those retirees that have um, most of their wealth sitting in their family home and um, wanting a better lifestyle and more income in retirement. Um, there's increased flexibility around this scheme. So do you want to run us through that, Pete? Yeah, the, like I think the the big changes here, no, no negative equity guarantee. So you can't go backwards so you can't sort of have a, a debt that's yeah, bigger than your actual property value so unlikely this happens given the current trajectory of property but good to know that that sort of peace of mind's there so you're not um, I know that's a worry that people that were doing it or any sort of um, you know reverse mortgage style of um, solution they worry about their estate or their family like what are they going to have to deal with is there going to be any money left for uh, for them so um, that one's a really important one. Also allowing for lump sum advances. So sometimes you do need a bigger cash injection. So previously, um, it allowed you to increase your sort of fortnightly payments and that was it. So that was all you could do. So it improved cash flow, uh, but not necessarily giving you, um, you know, a shot in the arm because you might have, you know, significant capital works that you need done around your house or a new, new, car. new vehicle or medical expenses. Um so that one they're allowing like up to 50% of the maximum age pension each year um, as a lump sum payment. So you get to do that and sort of um, take a bigger hit of it uh, at once. So you don't get to double dip. So it's not on top. It's just um, bringing it forward or sort of clumping it in one. Yeah. And I think um, this is one that potentially if you're like a lot of, I had someone call me the other day and say, oh, like my dad's got all his money in his family home. Like what can I do? Like these are things that you should potentially be looking at a lot of people prefer dealing with Centrelink than with a reverse mortgage and going through a lender and things like that um, so that's potentially a strategy that you can look at um, in retirement uh, childcare run us through the increase in childcare subsidies yeah so childcare this is one near and dear to my heart so um, very expensive childcare so um, children the, the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> so um, so what's happening is there's an increase to the childcare subsidy so by 30 percentage points for the second child and subsequent children aged five years and under in care. So up to a maximum rate of 95% for these children. So this one's sort of scheduled to commence in 2022, July 2022. Um, and also there's going to be a removal of the childcare subsidy uh, annual cap of 10560 per year. Um, so yeah, it's going to provide a bit more flexibility for parents um, who want to work an extra day or two. Uh, and removing that annual cap is really going to help them support choices of what hours they want to work, and hopefully not, you know, not have so many barriers up there for making a decision of going. I want to work. I want to be an active participant in the workforce. Is and, it financially you know, viable? And does this make sense? Am I just going to work and I'm, you know, I'm barely covering the cost of childcare, or if at all? So um, yeah, really good. So the current hourly fee caps do still apply though. Yeah, very good. Uh, obviously, after the Royal Commission into Aged Care, it was evident that there needs to be more money spent in this area and there's been quite a significant increase. Um, so obviously, one of the big ones is the increased funding for home care. And this is something that we've been talking to clients about a little bit is that, um, you know, potentially it's not aged care homes moving forward, that it's rather you stay in your home and get care there. So there's increased places there, Pete. Yeah, like another well, forty thousand this year and or this coming year, and then for another following forty thousand in twenty two, twenty three. So, I think this is the future. I think a lot of lot of people we're speaking to, they 
if it's at all possible and viable, this would be a great solution because they're sort of comfortable in their their home. And um, I think even following from what happened during COVID, where you know families were sort of separated, um, this is probably even more appealing than it ever has been. So. Um, also, additional respite care services are going to be available, uh, provided to us sort of assist carers and enhance those support services. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, probably overdue and the Royal Commission was quite damning. So, um, yeah, that's a big one. And then I guess more funding, so more money. Um, so do you want to sort of run through like what sort of dollars are going to be thrown at this aged care uh, plight problem yeah. that we've got um so they've got they're going to try uh, so to improve the residential aged care quality and safety they're introducing a new star rating system um so that's to provide senior australians their families and carers with information to make comparisons on quality and safety performance of aged care providers but there's going to be a fee sub- supplement of ten dollars per resident per day um so that's quite a going to be quite a significant amount they're always also going to put in um some measures to make sure that there's a certain amount of time that each um, caregiver stays with each resident as mm. well. Um, so that's an important part as well. Um, so there's going to be significant money spent um, in this area. Yeah, well, $17.7 billion. So, um, yeah, it's, we've, got a, we've got an ageing population, so it makes sense that a, a lion's share of what we're spending, so those your taxpayer dollars, are, that's where it's going. So... Um, and good, you know, we want sort of our, our, the older Australians that have contributed all these years to be looked after. Yep, very true. So is there anything else you think we've missed? Is there anything else you'd add on to that? Uh, like, don't jump the gun. So these are, you know, these are not legislated just yet. Um, I think overall, like, what you'd start to do with your planning is perhaps look at and, you know, make sure you're not necessarily triggering uh, bring forward contributions this year unless you've done the analysis of what could be available to you in you know, next financial year and beyond. So just want to make sure you're going in eyes wide open. So um, this does change the game. So if you are thinking of lump, lumpy super contributions or transacting on a the sale of a family home, I think it, it sort of would serve you well to sit back, take some stock, and maybe you might defer some of these decisions or um, yeah, build in the chance that these things might eventuate. So... Um, yeah, that's. I think that'd be my parting parting remarks. But otherwise, I'm sort of yeah, pretty happy to see a, a superannuation in the limelight again, which is or for the better. As a well. lot of positive changes. Um, oh, the so other one was the first other the first home uh, to buyers. So loan more, deposit more, scheme. Yeah, loan deposit scheme. So more places. So um, if you are a first home buyer, I'd say chat to get in touch with your financial advisor, your mortgage broker. Um, no doubt, I think the government will update the um, that first home government uh, website as well. So mm. make sure you're checking that out because the, it just might give you a little bit more opportunity to um, yeah get into that first home. Because I know that's um, it's a that's a big big thing at the moment for people finding it a little bit tough to get, get that get, deposit. Yeah, I'll just get started. Yep, uh, very good. So as always, if you've got any questions on this year's budget, feel free to email us at connectapicada.com.au or hit us up on any of our socials. Um, Otherwise, we'll see you later in the week for this week's normal episode. Thanks, Pete. Thanks.